Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the BioTouch Healing Workshop on prostate cancer and other conditions dealing with the prostate. My name is Paul. Good evening. This is Bev. Good evening, Bev. Here we go. Hey, Paul. Yep. Welcome, everybody. Here's how tonight works. And uh, we will have a presentation by Dr. Liu. And uh, this is actually a previous one, so uh, he's taped. And then uh, he will be specifically talking about prostate cancer. Uh, but uh, the sets of points that we'll teach afterwards in the second half of the program, we will deal with any prostate condition. So if you're going to have any questions, you're welcome to comment in the comment section. We'll answer what we can. And if you'd like to download the workbook while you're listening to Dr. Lou, go to justtouch.com forward slash workbook. And for this next month, that's free to anyone. Otherwise, it's uh, usually only available to members. All right. So you have anything you want to say before I have Dr. Lou talk? Uh, no, I think this is going to be, uh, um, I remember the original one yeah. and he's, uh, okay. he's very good and local in Tucson. Yes. If and, you're here in Tucson, uh, very yep. knowledgeable. Yep. So, uh, we'll take it away and then we'll be back to teach the sets of points. Let's start out with the title of the uh, talk tonight. It says how not to die from prostate cancer. I actually borrowed that from a book and I'm going to show you in the, in the minute. And, uh, and this uh, story uh, actually was listed in that chapter. And this is about a happily married father in his early 50s. He was an engineer and a self-described health nut, a runner who had always been at a healthy uh, weight. He actually controls his weight well. And then he always tried to make good choices out of uh, respect of his body and was lucky to have descended from long-lived healthy ancestors. So he also got some good genes, okay? And then he stayed away from tobacco, alcohol, drugs, and kept a great diet based on healthy foods recommendation from the USDA. Well, sounds so far so good. And, but there's a little problem I'll show you in a minute. He convinced his family to switch from whole milk to skim milk and from beef to fish and chicken. Like all, most of my patients uh, told me that's what they uh, are doing in terms of changing their lifestyle. And in this case, he ate lots and lots of chicken. So my question is, what's wrong with this picture? So when you're listening to this, uh, this story and uh, you might go, nothing wrong. I mean, he actually was a, pretty good, you know, based on all most of the doctors will say too. However, he was diagnosed with an aggressive prostate cancer. And he actually saw care at a world-renowned cancer center and underwent a radical prostatectomy, which successfully removed his cancer and left him with the daily challenge of dealing with the consequences of the surgery. That's why I said it's a, also a sad story, even though it's true, is namely what, he, what the problem was, the side effect of this surgery, urinary leakage and erectile dysfunction. So uh, Paul, could you show this prostatectomy 
I want to show you if you haven't seen what uh, usually the most of the uh, surgeons will do these days is uh, operating in the surgery room with a robot. And this actually has a name. And as the, if you look at the, on the left side of this picture, this is really, you know, there's a, you know, this a very scary looking machine. They call it Da Vinci. They actually name it Da Vinci machine. And you see on the middle picture, there's two surgeons and basically just look at the computer and, and the patients on the table and uh, with the nurses. And then on the lower right-hand side, that's a, if you see that's where these four uh, large probes uh, is gonna be inserted. And then the surgeon will, uh, will be operating on these probes and knives and they will cut the uh, prostate out. Uh, so it's pretty scary. And, that's pretty much a, most of a, a, a cancer patient, prostate cancer patient will receive these days now. Okay, so next one, Paul, you can show the, uh, let's, let's uh, try to be on the same page with uh, the, uh, uh, the anatomy a little bit, the prostate itself. The prostate is a walnut-sized gland located between the bladder and the base of the penis, just in front of the rectum. Okay, you see that picture on the right, little orange color below the bladder and uh, in front of the rectum, and that's our prostate. It surrounds the urethra, the outlets from the bladder, and secretes the fluid portion of semen. So the semen, when we have an ejaculation, the semen part is mostly produced by this little gland. And just as uh, glandular tissues in the breast can become cancerous, so can glandular tissue in the prostate. I often tell my patients, you know, if you were, um, um, uh, you know, uh, believing God as a, you know, Christian, and I'm a Buddhist, but I was a Christian, they, you know, they, I says God is always being fair too. And uh, what happened is breast cancer for women and uh, prostate cancer for men, both of these cancers are uh, hormone related. And uh, while breast cancer has a lot to do with uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, women hormones and uh, so is the man's uh, testosterone had a lot to do with it. So that's why I have a patient told me today when I mention about this uh, workshop and he told me that one of his relatives they have to, the surgeons have to remove his testicle. And once you remove the testicle, you would stop the, uh, the production of, a, of, a, uh, of testosterone. And I hope that will help uh, stop the progression of the cancer. So estrogen for women and uh, uh, So there's some facts about prostate cancer. Prostate, uh, prostate cancer is one of the most commonly diagnosed cancer among men in the United States, representing 25% of all tumors. Currently, more than 2 million American men living with prostate cancer. Autopsy studies show that about half of men over the age of 70 years old and older have prostate cancer. So, you know, you can see 50%, half of the men if you live long enough and past 70 and uh, one of the two will have this cancer, nearly 28,000 die each year from prostate cancer. However, 
this cancer is very slow growing. Only 7% of diagnosed prostate cancer victims die within five years. So in the cancer community and the medical community, if you live past five years, you are a cancer survivor. And whether you die one day after five years, from the statistic point of view, you survive the cancer. So the cancer survival, usually they use a five years marker. So if you made it five years, you're good, but it's only 7% of this the prostate cancer die within five years. So it's not the, you know, it's not like lung cancers or a, a colon cancer, they are pretty deadly too. But then uh, you can see it's, uh, this is not very deadly in the way that it's uh, based on the statistics. The main question for the patients and the doctor now is based on these facts, will prostate cancer become life-threatening before deaths come from other causes? Remember, number one cause of death in this country right now is a heart, a heart attack and strokes. This one disease kills 750,000 Americans every year. It's number one since the 1940s, 1950s. It hasn't changed. It's always the number one. So what if you die from the heart attack before you die from prostate cancer? So the question is, do you really want to have this uh, pretty radical uh, surgery and cause uh, uh, you know, incontinence and uh, erectile dysfunction? You know? And so you have to ask the doctors and, and uh, of course, like this case uh, story I first talked about, and uh, he had a very aggressive kind. So the doctor has to intervene. Um, all right, so of course, then we, what doctors uh, look, uh, look for is called a PSA. It's called, it uh, stands for prostate-specific antigen. It's in the blood. It's actually a marker in the blood. And it's one of the major markers, not the only one, but it's one of the major markers used to determine the likelihood of a prostate cancer becoming life-threatening. Men are diagnosed as having prostate problem when their PSA levels are about above four. And that, so that's the magic number. If your PSA is over four, doctors get a little bit nervous. If you're around four, 4.5. And so if you have very high numbers, then they'll get on with it right away. Okay, that will be the bad news. But, but this test alone is hardly a firm diagnosis of cancer, especially if the PSA level is barely about four. So that's the question. If it's around four, what do you do? I mean, what, what, what is doctors gonna intervene with surgery or with some other chemo or radiation? You know, it's, uh, you really have to decide. And just like I mentioned, it's a very slow growth cancer. And, but it also has an ambiguity of this test leads to some very difficult decision-making. So should they have a little surgery or a lot of, if PSA barely above four, is a PSA value of 6.0 a serious problem or just a wake-up call? If it's a wake-up call, then what must they do to reduce such a number? This is a, the talk tonight. There's a lot you can do to reduce that number without surgery, without chemo, without, without any surgical or chemo or radiation intervention, okay? So, Question is how we can reduce this PSA. Are we looking for a magic bullet? It's always nice to have a magic bullet. <laughs> you know, we don't have to do anything, don't have to change anything in our life. 
we, we have this magic bullet. Sure enough, PSA drops, everybody's happy, everybody's go home and live every, ever happily ever after. No, we don't have a magic bullet. So to find this quote unquote magic bullet, we actually do, that's the topic for tonight. And uh, hopefully by the end of the talk, you will see what the magic bullet I'm talking about. First, let's look at what safe assumptions were accepted by the prostate cancer research community. Number one, prostate cancer rates vary widely between different countries, even more than breast cancer. Why? It's different from country to country. It's not universal in terms of uh, the, the, this, uh, this cancer rate. Number two, high prostate cancer rates primarily exist in societies with quote unquote, Western diets and lifestyles. Why? Number three, in developing countries compared to uh, you know, these uh, un underdeveloped, so on, men who adopt Western eating practices or move to Western countries suffer more prostate cancer. Why? And this has all already been done, this research. So for instance, Okinawans consider one of the most uh, um, longest living people in the world in Japan. But if these Okinawan, you can say, well, they have a uh, good genes, possibly, because you know they we always like to um, attribute to gene. But then when these Okinawans move to United States, like uh, for instance, southern states where they eat very greasy, oily, and animal-based diet, and a lot of these Okinawans develop prostate cancers. So that means. It's, you know, it's have a lot to do with lifestyle. So let's go on. So when I uh, first talk about this story that this happily married man, so why they say happily married father in early 50, he's young, 50 years old, relatively compared to some of us. And uh, I'm 62, so he's definitely younger. And uh, he's happily married, so he has a lot less stress, say from marriage, that's great. And then he also self-described health nuts, so it sounds good. A runner, great. And then he also has good genes, and he doesn't use tobacco. I, everything looked great. But then when he says he kept a great diet based on healthy, healthy food recommended by FD, uh, USDA, that's where a problem starts. Because they recommend, for instance, switch your whole milk to skim milk and from beef to fish and, and the chicken. So let's see what's wrong with all these food. Before I mention this, uh, uh, what's wrong with these food, I want to introduce a something called resilience probability factor. And then I come up with, when I put these slides together, I actually come up with this myself. I call this a balancing act. Now, what's a resilience? Resilience is defined as the process of, of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, and threats or significant sources of stress. Remember, stress is one is a killer. So that's why if you were happily married, if you have a good job and everything counts, however, and that will help build up this uh, resilience. But then once you build up resilience, then you can overcome a lot of diseases. So such as a family and relationship problems, serious health problems, or workplace and financial stressors, 
that can bring down the resilience. And then the, when you come, when the when the when you when your body decides to uh, deal with a cancer, how resilient you have to ask yourself, your body is to overcome. And we in the COVID nineteen time, um, how resilient your immune system is to overcome this uh, virus and survive this COVID-19 virus attack. And the probability, the second part of this uh, resilience probability factor is, is the probability is the branch of mathematics concerning numerical descriptions of how likely an event is to occur. So if you have a, 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 a head and tail coin, you, you toss enough time, you know your chance of getting a head or chance of getting a tail is uh, 50%, 0.5. So it's somewhere between zero and one. Zero be, being impossible, impossibility, and one indicates certainty. So what we really want to do is we want to have a very decent lifestyle to optimize this resilience probability. So this number will get closer to one. The one will be a perfect number. We have a perfect resilience, perfect immune system. We, we're, not, we, we're not fearful of any diseases. We'll never come down with cancer, never come down with always overcome bacteria and the virus, but we can't. That's a, we don't have the magic bullet to achieve that, but we can definitely try to do our best to achieve higher number for this probability. All right, so uh, Paul, go ahead and show up this next slide and how not to die by Michael Greger. So please write this book title down, and this is a must-have book. And uh, how not to die from prostate cancer I believe is chapter 13, and uh, it's on the right side. The first chapter is how not to die from heart disease. Second chapter, how not to die from lung diseases. And third, uh, how not to die from, uh, from brain diseases. Last time I talked about Parkinson's and they actually have a Parkinson's in uh, chapter 14. So in this one, you can see a uh, tiny little subtitle, discover the foods scientifically proven to prevent and reverse disease. Every disease that lives in this book can be reversed and can be prevented by your lifestyle. Most likely is the eating habit. The next two books, uh, Paul, go ahead, bring up the cancer link to animal proteins. Now, this is going to be a bombshell in, uh, news to you guys, uh, most of you. Animal protein actually turned out to be the, one of the most lethal um, bad things that we can, we're going to have for our body. I know some of you is going to go, oh, no, no way. Yes. And uh, if you read these two books, The China Study by Dr. T. Colin Campbell, he's a cancer researcher for NIH and uh, Cornell University professor. He was here in Tucson in 2012. Uh, that was, uh, I was eight years younger in that picture. And uh, Dr. Campbell now is almost 90 years old and he's still alive. And the one on the right is called Proteinaholic. And Dr. Garth Davis, I also introduced him at the loft when he gave a talk over there about this book. He basically, the subtitle, if you read, how our obsession with meat is killing us and what we can do about it. He's a, a bariatric surgeon. He's the one that helped 500 pound patient to get the stomach smaller so they can shrink weight. However, himself went from proteinaholic. Actually, first line uh, in his chapter one, he said, my name is Garth Davis and I'm a proteinaholic. 
and the way he went from proteinaholic to a vegan. And he, he does not eat anything to do with animal. And he'll show you why in this book. This is the first book, the only book I think has everything to do with the protein. And he show you all the research and all the studies that prove to you animal protein actually is a bad thing to have. Okay, so next, high protein diet linked to cancer study. This one I found out in the 2018, and it was actually published in 2014, March 5th. It's by University of Southern California. And the title of the studies says, high protein diet could be as dangerous as smoking. Well, how do they define, define high protein diet? Actually it was defined in the research deriving at least 20% of the daily calories from animal protein. So if you take in 1,000 calories a day and the 20%, that's a 200 calories strictly from animal protein. And what they found, the studies show that high level of dietary animal protein in those under 65 years old were associated with a fourfold, 400% increase in their risk of death from cancer compared to those on a low animal protein diet. So the conclusion of the study, this is again, it's another bombshell. A high protein diet could be as dangerous as smoking 20 cigarettes a day. So 20% animal protein you take in every day could be from anything, anything to do with animals. The butter, the cheese, the milk, the eggs, uh, of course, the beef, the pork, the chicken, anything you talk about with as long as it's animals, the animal protein sum up all together. If it's 20, 20% of your total calorie intake, your chances of having cancer is identical to a person smoke 20 cigarettes a day. And that's published by USC and you actually can Google it and uh, you'll see it. Now what's wrong with the milk? The case study is from skin, uh, whole milk for skin milk, and that's only changed the fat content, but the protein's still there. So Mother Nature designed cow's milk to put a few hundred pounds on a baby calf within a few months. A lifetime of human exposure, consumption of these growth factors in milk may help explain the co connection found between dairy consumption and the certain cancers. Now in 2015, Meta-analysis found that high intakes of dairy products like milk, low-fat milk, and cheese appear to increase total prostate cancer risk. One recent set of studies involving 100,000 men and women followed for up to two decades, 20 years, suggests milk may increase bone and hip fracture rates. So it's the opposite to what we believe, unfortunately. And then, so what's wrong with the dairy consumption? I mean, you're talking about cheese now. In 2001, Harvard reviewed of research, 12 of 14 case control studies and seven of nine cohort studies have observed a positive association for some measure of dairy product and prostate cancer. This is one of the most consistent dietary predictors for prostate cancer in the published literature. In these studies, men with the highest dairy intakes have approximately doubled the risk of total prostate cancer and up to fourfold increase in risk of metastatic 
for fatal prostate cancer relative to low consumers, low protein consumers. So enormous body of evidence show that animal-based food, particularly one based heavily on dairy, are associated with prostate cancer. So the mechanism to explain link between prostate cancer and dairy, and this is the best I can find. I think this is one you can find in the China study. Animal proteins causes the body to produce more insulin-like growth factor one, IGF-1 in, in short, which in turn throws cell growth and remove, removal out of a whack. The cell growth and removal, they have to be in balance, stimulating cancer development. Remember, cancer cell is out of control growth of a cells. Animal protein suppresses the our own body's natural production of supercharged vitamin D, an active form of vitamin D, they call. So vitamin D, we know we can get some sun exposure, we can get some supplements, and then this is supercharged vitamin D we take in and we need, it's, we, we, it's an anti-cancer, but animal protein suppress the production of this. So, and then if you drink lots of milk, you think you do a lot of calcium, but you can see the study show actually cause a, a fracture. So it's not the case, but if you're taking a lot of calcium, like you found in the milk and dairy, that also suppresses the production of a supercharged D. So it's a double whammy. You're taking the animal protein and, uh, and the excess of the calcium from dairies, and both uh, it's gonna suppress the uh, animal, I mean, the vitamin D production. So if you don't get any sunshine, you don't have a, a, a D. And the D, the supercharged D, is responsible for creating a wide variety of health benefits in the body. Persistently, low levels of supercharged D creates an inviting environment for different cancers autoimmune disease, osteoporosis, and other disease. Remember, we have to increase that probability towards one. So if you do all the things right, including the, uh, the dairies and cutting off the dairies and that, you're actually moving that predict predictors, that probability towards one. So what's wrong with egg and poultry? I know I, do I have enough time to, uh, Paul? Okay, so I'm gonna switch, I'm gonna, uh, uh, basically, and uh, uh, I want to, uh, Paul's going to have all, our, all these slides. So if you're really interested in, you can ask Paul and he can, this is no proprietary information. It's all published. And I just want to mention one more slide. And uh, they actually found out uh, if you do exercise and on mostly plant-based diet, like what I'm doing, I'm myself, Paul knows, I'm a 27 marathon runners at age 62 and I accomplished these 27 marathons in the last seven years. And I'm a vegan for 11 years. Why? Because I know of these studies. So if I combine the two, you don't have to be a marathon runner, you don't have to be vegan, but you have to do a lot better than you, uh, if you have a poor lifestyle, lots of meat, lots of dairy and sedentary. You have to change. So that way you can use these two things to decrease the risk for prostate cancer. And so this is a, and uh, I um, basically live up to Paul. So, so the only thing that's wrong with this uh, engineer in the, in the study is he just need to uh, eat a lot more plant-based food and cut off the uh, animal-based stuff. That's it.
There we are. Sorry, I was, I was, I was muted. We're back. I was muted too. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was a lot of information, everybody. And uh, you know, I, 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 I did, <laughs> I didn't even remember. Uh, I didn't even remember half of of what he nah. said, but. Um, but it's perfect. You know, remember the old adage, "You are what you eat." Right. <laughs> that came out years and years ago, but. Um, yeah, it's. it's it's good. I mean, what I really liked, though, was his the the idea of resilience and stress as we're going to move into BioTouch. I mean, mm -hmm. I you know, I have a prostate condition, right? I got these high numbers. I'm going through the whole thing. I'm trying to do. But everything I'm learning, too, is about just moderation. You don't you don't have yes. like he said, you don't have to become a vegan, you know. Right. But the thing I realized more and more as I listened to him when you're dealing with the hormones when you're dealing with stress was a huge factor, cortisol levels I was reading, yes. and resilience, you know, building the body, building it. And and I was thinking of uh, Lipton, you know, just love, you know, putting love into the quotient. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing too, because a lot of what he was saying really rang true for me. But that, that, you know, the stressors, he's talking about all these stressors. And of course, you and I talk about that a lot in terms of how BioTouch can address that, the cortisol levels. But the, the, it always comes down to this, that resilience can also be called in the body the immune system. Okay. And as we know, through Kenna's research with BioTouch, the ultimate is to have a resilient immune system and BioTouch can really help with that for sure. So we're going to take the next uh, part of this workshop and we're going to teach you the points. Bev's going to teach it. I'm going to play techie. And please remember too, we're not just, these points work for all prostate conditions. You might have BPH, you might have a swollen prostate, you might have prostatitis. Those high numbers of the PSA I've learned could be three different things and then they could all be combined. And so, you know, there's a lot of other information. If you want more uh, of the research I've done personally, please contact us. Uh, but uh, so these sets we're gonna teach you can work for any prostate condition that you're working right. with. So we're gonna have, uh, so again, you can download the manual while we're going over this, uh, justtouch.com forward slash workbook and you can follow along as Bev teaches us the points. Okay, and here we go. So let's begin with this first page just to kind of give you a overview of every month, the each workbook will have an overview of the condition that we are going to present. As you can see tonight, it was prostate cancer and some other information on that page for you in terms of our foundation. So let's move into this next page uh, entitled, What is BioTouch? And we always like to go over these four little bullets because we're hoping that every week we have new people joining us who might not really know what BioTouch is. And that's what we're gonna do here tonight, go over those with you. So just to... Um, for those who do know what BioTouch is and for those who might not, BioTouch is, as it says here, a very simple hands-on technique. And you use the first two fingers of your hands to lightly touch on the body. This is a technique that has 
a specific uh, setup to it. So we will go through some of those sets of points that we're going to show you tonight for this particular condition. The definition of biotouch is one person touching another person lightly on the skin. So the light touch is very, very important in this technique. And it really does seem like the lighter that you can touch on the body, we say like a butterfly, it, it speaks louder to the body. So it's non-invasive and a very gentle, loving touch that really helps the body to begin the healing process. So BioTouch is easy to learn. We say that, and it is. Uh, children have learned it, have taken our classes, and have become even certified. So there you go. Children can learn it and it's perfect. It's perfect. BioTouch is a complement to any healthcare program. We like to say it's a complementary, it's integrative, it's holistic. The point is BioTouch can be used in conjunction with anything, whether it's a diet, whether it's um, working with your, a doctor, a strict diet, maybe you're doing other modalities, whatever it is that you're doing as your healthcare program, BioTouch is only going to enhance that journey. So it's, it's perfect for everything you might be doing. It has no levels of ability. Everyone is effective and the first time that they use it. No ability, no levels of ability. This is because BioTouch is meant for every single one of us, all people. It's accessible and it's meant for all of us to use with each other. So of course, you don't have to go through any special levels of, of learning. You don't have, you know, spend years uh, being good enough to use it. You can use it immediately. And you can learn it very simply and use it and be effective. So I don't know too many modalities at this point that we can say that about. It's a very unique technique in that. And it requires no special preparation, a belief, or a state of mind for you to be effective. So you don't have to clear yourself or, or put a protective boundary around you not to get somebody's negative energy or you don't have to have a belief system you don't have to be in a really great state of mind in that moment what's the only thing that's required is that you have compassion for another human being and that you can step in and in that moment give somebody some care and that loving touch and help them with their stress, with their pain. This is what BioTouch is here to do. And it is, for, again, for every single one of us. So real quickly, what we're going to do is we're going to go over these little grade bullets right there, practicing BioTouch. Very, very simple. We always want to wash our hands before you touch someone in a session. Again, it is taking the first two fingers of your hands and touching another person lightly on the skin. You're going to be using those first two fingers in a butter -like, butterfly-like touch. And we want, we're asking that you hold those points six to eight seconds each. Can be practiced anywhere, anytime, with anyone. 
and more than one practitioner can work with a recipient as we're gonna see um, when we go into the greeting, the first set we're going to introduce to you. So we're going to begin every session with what it says called the greeting and we will definitely be going over that. So let's go to this next page. We're not gonna go into the terms, those we, present those in our trainings, but we do like to point out those first two bullets, the associate and the recipient. This is the relationship that is built in this um, healing relationship between two people. The associate is the person who is going to perform the procedures, the biotouch. And we like to quickly go over the what the dictionary describes as an associate, which is two different definitions. One is often in the company with another implying an intimacy or equality. And that's what we have discovered about BioTouch. It brings us into an equality. That's the true definition of a relationship. And so that is what happens. And the other one is one having an interest in common with another. When you are caring you, you have an interest in common with another. This is the, the intimate relationship that you're going to share. The second bullet, the recipient is the one, of course, that receives the touch and completes that whole relationship of healing. Both people, both of them benefit from practicing biotouch together. It, it just, it's just the perfect, perfect relationship so, uh, Paul, did you want to say something about the way our... Yeah, so if you look at the manual here, uh, you have two pages for each set of points, uh, as you see here, the greeting. And the first page of it has the little numbers where the points are and a synopsis of where to touch those points. The second page of each set is a description in words how to find those points. Those points will be the same as the video that we're gonna show, and you get to that video by clicking on that, uh, where it says, click here to watch the video. So, yeah. so those are the two pages uh, each set will have as we go through it here. So we're going to begin, as I said, with the greeting. This is going to be the first set you will always, always begin with before you address any other part of the body for the recipient. This seems to be the key that really opens the body up to, it almost prepares it for what's coming. And what's coming is BioTouch. The body recognizes it and literally knows what to do with that touch. So this is what sets up the harmony between in that relationship between the associate and the recipient that we were talking about earlier. The one thing, and it will go over this in the video, but I will just bring it up. This is going to be the only set that we will use one hand, which is the dominant hand, your dominant hand, to touch both of those points in this greeting. It's the only one you're ever going to use that for, but you must use this prior to anything else. And even if you, we talk about this all the time, even if you're only able to do the greeting itself, 
something is going to happen for that body. It just, it just recognizes it. So let's go ahead and watch the video. The greeting is always performed at the beginning of each session. It's the only set that uses one hand and the only set that indicates which hand to use. The greeting is performed with the dominant hand. If you are right-handed, use your right hand. If you are left-handed, use your left hand. The greeting is made by touching at point one, which is in the fleshy area just below the bottom of the breastbone or sternum. Hold this point for six to eight seconds. Then with the same two fingers, touch point two on the back. To find point two, look for the big bone at the base of the neck. From here, move one to one and a half inches to the left. This is point two. Hold this point for six to eight seconds. More than one associate may work with a recipient provided that all of the associates perform the greeting. If the associate or the recipient leaves the session, or if someone who hasn't done the greeting touches either the recipient or the associate, the greeting must be re-established. Then the session may proceed from where it was interrupted. The next set we're going to present to you is called the metabolism set. And this is a really very effective and very important set to use because this will help the body to regulate, to help it assimilate and to get rid of anything that's going on in the body. So this is going to be the what we recommend the first uh, the second set you're going to be using for prostate issues. So let's go ahead and watch the video. Some another person doing that. The metabolism set can be used to help the body assimilate what it needs and eliminate what it doesn't need. The metabolism set has two steps. Step one involves touching points in matching fire along the large muscles on the front of the neck. Points one and one are located above the collarbone in the soft indentations on both sides of the notch at the top of the breastbone. Points two and two are halfway up the neck on the front of the large muscles. Points three and three are at the top of the neck on the front of the large muscles. The second step involves holding a point on the front of the body and touching points next to the spine on the back. Hold point X on the front of the body is on a line directly between where the nipples would be on a youth and is one to two inches to the left of the breastbone. Another way to find X is one third of the way up the breastbone from greeting point one and one to two inches to the left of the breastbone. The points on the back are located next to the spine, forming a rectangle around the breakover point. The breakover point is where the bottom of the rib cage joins the spine and can be found by imagining a line directly through the body from greeting point one. To perform step two, find hold point X on the front of the body and touch points one through four on the back. Point one 
is approximately one to two inches up from the breakover point on the left spine muscle. Point two is directly across from point one on the right spine muscle. Point three is two to three inches below the breakover point on the right spine muscle. Point four is used to address blood sugar problems and is added to the other metabolism points when needed. It is located across from point three on the left spine muscle. The next set is the headset, which addresses anything that might go, be going on with the brain. I think in the situation with prostate cancer, those hormone imbalances that, that might help to be regulated, one of the ways that you can help is to do this headset. It's very, very effective. So let's go ahead and watch that video. The headset can be used to address conditions related to the brain. There are four steps in this set. In step one, use through fire to touch points A and A. Point A on the back of the head is in the center of the neck at the base of the skull. Point A on the front of the head is at the center of the forehead where the forehead begins to curve to the crown. Step two is performed in crossfire with the fingers of each hand touching on opposite sides of the head. Hold it X, which is in the indentation beside the neck muscle at the base of the skull. It is the same as point one of the back set. On the opposite side of the head, touch points one through five. Points one, two, and three are on the ridge line formed where the skull curves up toward the crown. Point one is above the outside corner of the eye on the ridge. Point two is above the front of the ear on the ridge. Point three is above the back of the ear on the ridge. To locate point four, move down the head toward the base of the skull to a horizontal indentation approximately one-third of the way down from the top of the ear and one to one and a half inches behind the back edge of the ear. Point five is opposite hold point X at the base of the skull. Point five now becomes the new hold point as points one through five are touched on the opposite side of the head. In crossfire, touch point one above the outside corner of the eye on the ridge, point two above the front of the ear on the ridge, point three is above the back of the ear on the ridge, Point four is a horizontal indentation approximately one-third of the way down from the top of the ear and one to one and a half inches behind the back edge of the ear. And point five, hold point X at the base of the skull. 
Step three is performed in matching fire, touching points one and one. Two and two. Three and three. Four and four. Five and five. Finally, in step four, place the open palms of both hands on the head covering points one through three. Be careful. Don't let your hands touch each other. And the last set is the lower abdomen. As you can see in the diagram, this will be used to address any prostate issue in that area. And you can see uh, it says work firmly. This is the only set that is asked to do that with. So just, uh, just know that all, all the conditions and all of the organs in this area can be addressed. And that is prostate as well as all the reproductive conditions and everything. So let's go ahead and watch them do the lower abdomen set on the video. abdomen set may be used to address any conditions or organs which are located between the navel and the pubic bone. This might include conditions of the reproductive organs, the colon, the bladder, or hernias. When working on the lower abdomen, it is helpful to press firmly into the flesh. But while working firmly, be careful not to cause discomfort to the recipient. The lower abdomen has three steps. Step 1. Locate hold point X, which is on the pubic bone. Do not press firmly on this point. While holding X, touch points 1 through 5 with the other hand. Point 1 is located just below the navel. Point 2 is in the soft tissue to the inside of the pelvic bone, low on the abdomen. Point 3 is the same point on the opposite side of the body. Point four is in the soft tissue just inside the high point of the hip bone. Point five is the same point on the opposite side of the body. Step two. With the palm open and flat, slide the entire hand under the recipient's body and place the first two fingers of this hand in contact with point T on the sacrum triangle. Then with the other hand, touch points 1 through 5 and X. Point 1 is located just below the navel. Point 2 is in the soft tissue to the inside of the pelvic bone, low on the abdomen. Point 3 is the same point on the opposite side of the body. Point four is in the soft tissue, just inside the high point of the hip bone. 
point five is the same point on the opposite side of the body. And X, which is on the pubic bone. After completing this step, enhancements in local work may be performed wherever a recipient is experiencing difficulties of any kind. Step 3. In matching fire, touch points 1 and X points 2 and 3 and points 4 and 5. So there you have it folks. The sets of points. Now there's a couple of things just to bring up. If you're dealing with prostatitis and you have the entire manual, you'd want to add the infection point. That would help with the inflammation. And then also, uh, when you're at home and it's just low and you're just doing it uh, with your partner, there's a really good way to do that extra work. And one is to take those two fingers on the hold point that we showed you on that pubic bone, okay? And take the other hand and go underneath the scrotum, under the peritoneum there, and right underneath where that prostate is. So you're really getting a through fire into that prostate. Uh, and you can even work into the groin area and do through fires. Or while your hand is underneath there, do some uh, local work in, under the scrotum, the peritoneum there, to really touch all around that prostate. So those kind of things we don't do here at the center, but easy to do at home. Uh, with right. your loved one so yeah. uh, those are things you can do all around the just zap around that prostate just as if you were going in for radiation <laughs> that's, that's it you know just to remind everybody these sets of points that we um, present to you in our workbooks these are just the basic ones that we feel to get you started these this will address it but as paul says you can Things might come to you. You might want to, depending on the situation, add other sets of points. That yep. would be absolutely perfect. So just know these are just the basics that we gave to you tonight. And we're here to answer any of your questions, uh, anything you need to know about how to apply BioTouch. Uh, I did post the charts that Dr. Liu was talking about. Uh, they're posted on Facebook and they're posted on YouTube. It'll also go out into an email and you can just download those few uh, charts that he was showing in his presentation. Great. So it was another wonderful workshop. We'll see you all next month for another wonderful workshop. So yes. thank you, Beth, for your time and thank you all Thanks for joining us. Much. Bye. Bye.